0: Welcome to New Life Miami. And thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember,
1: you are love. Hey guys, everyone say rest. Home. God in me. What a weird message. Rest. Home, Home. God in me. me. You're getting better. Rest. Rest. That was good. Home, Home. God in me. me. Mm, Good. Now, this is my message today. I want to continue on rest and I want to just speak it to you and share with you and and be very intimate with you guys in in the sense of what this message means to me and and I promised it last week. We're going to continue on this next week so we're going to pause and um, we're just going to let God speak to us in regards to rest and what He what do you want to share with us? And I want to continue on this conversation that began um last weekend. I want to go back to the verse that we were reading uh, last week. Does anyone anyone remember it? Maybe you have your notepad with your notes on it, and you could turn to it and and just scream it and just make that person next to you know that you're you're just so amazing and you remembered the verse and wow, that person must really know God in such a great way because look how he So what was the verse uh, last week? Oh man, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, but I did, I think I went into Exodus, amen. Give Joe a hand. <laughs> amen. I, I did go into Exodus, but yes, Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. Can you turn there with me one more time? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 and 10, Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. Once you're there, give me an amen, and uh, we'll read it real quick. Hallelujah. Hebrews 4, 9 and 10. I'm going to read these two verses and I'm going to just go ahead and read it. It says, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. We're going to see how much we cover today. And whatever we don't cover, I don't mind sharing it on Wednesday in our midweek service and continuing with the message on Wednesday. But we'll see how much we do today. But, but what an amazing passage. There remains therefore rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. I, w- I want us to find joy in this statement. I want us to find joy in it. And if you can't find joy today, at least find hope in this statement today. Find hope in it. And the statement is this, there remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. How many of you could say amen to that? Amen. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. You know, last week, I, I, f- I forgot, I said it to Angel, who he was in the office with me, I think, or we were sitting outside, and I said, oh, I forgot to to share a passage last week and uh, on today i told them last sunday and i wanted to share it so bad so so i forgot to to speak on something that i find very important and i want to start with what i forgot last week because i feel like god was still wanted me to share it to the body and um so i'm going to be obedient and i want to sh- i want to start off with this it's found in numbers chapter 15 if you're taking notes if you have your bible Numbers chapter 15, we're going to read from verses 32 all the way through 36, if you could just join me there for a moment. Numbers 15, 32 through 36. And and I want to read this passage because it shows us God's reaction. And it's God's reaction to the individual or the individuals, God's reaction to the person who rejects his plan. It's God's reaction in the Old Testament to the person who rejects his rest, who rejects the rest. Who, who, what, you should know this answer, by the way. What is rest today? We should know the answer. What is, I don't want to say another word, but what is rest today? Come on, I'll preach last week's message all over again. What, what is rest? I'm going to give it away if I ask it this way, because I'm asking it wrong. That's why you're probably like, what? Who is rest? Okay, I just didn't want to give it away that easy. So Jesus is rest. We, we've kind of defined that last Sunday, right? So I don't want to necessarily go so much into defining the person that fulfills the word rest. We already came to that conclusion that Jesus is our Sabbath rest today. That we don't necessarily have to keep a Sabbath day holy. It's Jesus is holy in us. We're we're on the same page with that? All right. So I don't want to continue to ride on that. So So we're going to look now at, and we're going to start with the reaction of God in the Old Testament to those who reject this that I'm talking to you about. And it's found in Numbers 15. Let's go ahead and read it, and then we'll we'll just share a point on it. Here it is. It says, one day, one day while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they discovered, remember, the children of Israel left Egypt now, and they were in the wilderness. And God gave them laws, and God gave them commandments, and all those things, and Moses Okay, was the leader of them. It says, one day while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they discovered a man. They found the man. They saw a man. They pretty much arrested this man, right? They found a man gathering wood on the Sabbath day. He was gathering wood on the Sabbath day. Think about why he's gathering wood. He's cold or he's hungry. Whatever. He's, he's, he needs wood. Is there really anything wrong with gathering wood? No, Is there really anything wrong with eating from a fruit of a tree? No, no the answer is no. The, the wrong behind it is being what? disobedience to what God has told you not to do. That's the wrong in it. The, the, the disobedience. So if God says don't do that, though right now it's, it's not necessarily that it's wrong, but going against what I say is wrong, then that's wrong. So right now, if we pick up a stack of wood, there's nothing wrong. You're a sinner. The pastor said that the person that, let's keep reading. So the people who found him doing this took him before Moses and Aaron, the leaders, and the rest of the community. And they held him in custody. This is crazy. They're in the wilderness and they have a whole prison system. Because they did not know what to do with him. No one knew what to do. I love that when no one knows what to do, the Lord knows exactly what to do. And do you know that when the Lord knows exactly what to do, you might not always agree with what the Lord wants to do? That's not true. It is true. Because look at verse uh, 35. Then the Lord said to Moses, since no one knew what to do, the man must be put to death. (laughs) And everyone just sinks in their seat and says, "Mm, that was fierce, God. The man must be put to death. And the whole community must be involved in the death. They must stone him outside the camp. How many of you say that's kind of hardcore, man? The dude was gathering sticks of wood. So the whole community took the man outside the camp and they stoned him to death, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. We read this passage, and if you really don't understand what's going on here, it's so easy, like a famous celebrity did one day when she was in church, to misinterpret the word of God and become a new age movement leader because she did not understand what the pastor was saying when he mentioned a verse like this. Easily, someone that doesn't know God could easily get up right now and walk in church. If that's the God that you guys just sang to, then I don't want to serve him. If he just called someone to die who was picking up wood, who, you know, you guys understand what I'm saying? But that's not even what it's about. See, let's go back to Verse 32. One day while the people of Israel were in the wilderness, they discovered a man gathering wood. Nothing wrong, gathering wood. But watch this, gathering wood on the Sabbath. Sabbath. See, right here, that's the problem. There was a man that was found, and he was gathering these sticks on the Sabbath day. And why is that a problem? It's a problem in the Old Testament in the wilderness with the children of Israel in Numbers chapter 15. In spite of God's plain commandment to, hey, whatever you do, cease. Everyone say cease. Cease. Yeah. Cease. Stop from all of your labor on the Sabbath. Don't do anything on the Sabbath. That's going to be a day of holiness, a day of rest. And God asked that for all the children of Israel. But yet this one man decided. Notice, how many men was it? All that we know in Numbers 15 verse 32, it was what? One. One man. This man decided. I'm thinking... I'm thinking, because us men are like this, a lot of us are. He probably called some of his friends and said, hey, you want to go with me? I mean, I don't think God is that serious. I don't think Moses really meant that when he went up to the mountain that God said that if anyone is caught doing anything on the Sabbath, that God is going to strike them dead. I really doubt it. You want to ride with me to go pick up some sticks to bring it back to the house? Maybe we can make some s'mores later on and we can play some games. And I think his friends probably said, nah, I think I'm going to take it serious what God had commanded us to do. And um, I'm not, I advise for you not to do that. So we're not gonna do it. So please just don't do it, rest he goes, come on. So he goes anyways on his own. I'm not saying that that's biblical, but maybe something like that happened. Maybe not the whole s'mores thing and all that. But when he goes to get sticks, he gets caught. And I love that he gets caught because there's only going to be a moment, only a moment until you continue to live the way you live and God is not going to expose the sin and say, hey, enough is enough. When are you going to come to the place that you stop calling yourself a Christian, but yet you're living like a sinner? There's got to come to a place that the way you live is lined up with what you say. So if it takes you getting caught and exposed and bringing you to the leadership of the community so that things can get right, then I'm going to do it. Bring him over here. So, so that, that there's a lot of stuff going on in this passage because here is this man, and he should have stayed and con- called this day of day of rest, and, and he should have made it holy. But but there's a transgression here, and it was a willful sin that this man had committed. He he did this with, with boldness. He did this up front in broad daylight. He did this in li- literally open defiance. Open defiance to divine authority. See, that was the issue. The issue is not, the issue is not he took wood. The issue is I'm going to choose to live my life defiant to God Almighty. And there will be a day that every human being that lives in such a manner will come to a place of you have to experience death if your life is defiant to who I am. And to what I've said. I mean, it's, are we preaching the right gospel here? I feel like you guys are like, no, no, don't preach that today. <laughs> you guys are scaring me. I'm like, I, I'm almost saying, wait, is my theology wrong here? So, so I want to make sure we understand that. So there's a, there is an urgency, isn't there? And what is the urgency? Easy. It's very easy. Be obedient to God. Rest in that. So, but this man instead open defiance before his authority who's not even Moses which yeah it was defiant towards Moses as well but forget Moses we're not even talking about Moses and Aaron we're talking about God who who reigns over this and saves the Israeli the children of Israel and yet This man decides to go against it, and the Lord says to him, this man must be put to death, and everyone must stone him outside. And this may, yes, seem kind of harsh, but I think we're getting it now. That the man, listen, the man had a knowledge. The man had an understanding of what he was doing, or we could say of what he was not doing. He had an understanding, and he had a knowledge of it because he was part of the Israelite tribe. He he knew exactly what he was doing. He was going, listen to this, he was going against truth. He was going against the truth. Going against the truth of his understanding, the truth of his knowledge. And it brought one thing in his life, and that was death. And the reality is for every single one of us, we're going to stand before the presence of God. Every single human being will stand before the presence of God. And if we reject the truth of our understanding, if we reject the truth of the knowledge that God's given us, there's one thing that all man is going to experience if they continue to live rejecting that. And I'm sorry to tell you this, but I have to be honest. The answer is death. But praise God for the ones that have found truth and the ones that have found rest and the ones that don't have to live in works to find it because God now lives in us and the presence of the Lord now dwells in us and Jesus is alive in us and it doesn't matter if I pick up a piece of wood on a Monday or on a Sunday. It doesn't matter anymore because the rest and the Sabbath now is no longer in a day in my life because straight from here I'll go and I don't even know how to do it. I'll chop off a tree with you and I'm not breaking the sabbath on a saturday or whether it's a sunday we'll debate on what day it is every day but it's on none of the days because the sabbath now lives in me so let's go cut down a tree let's go cook a hamburger let's go toil the ground. it doesn't matter because rest now is no longer found in my works but rest now is found in him in me but thank god we have that now Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, it says, but God, listen to this because I have to jump into the New Testament to show you how a lot of this Old Testament stuff makes a lot of sense here in the New Testament. Romans, Paul writes in chapter 1, verse 18 and 19, he says this. He says, but God shows his anger from heaven. God, sho- Guys, this is the New Testament. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful all wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. I'm not lying to you. God shows his anger. Yes, God is a loving God. But for once, don't you not think that God is not an angry God. He is angry. But the beautiful thing about God is he's angry but does not sin. He's angry but he doesn't sin. But but look at this. He shows anger from heaven against the sinful and the wicked and All of those who suppress what? Truth. And how do the people suppress truth? By living in their very own wickedness. Verse 19. Very important verse. They know the truth about God because he's made it what? Obvious Obvious to them. Obvious. So Romans 1, it goes on to speak of those who willingly, those who willingly go against the truth. Romans 1 is describing those who, who, who are going against truth and, 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 it, and it leads them, according to Paul's letter here in Romans, to one thing. And that is God shows his anger from all of these things. And, and it shows that their end result, if you read the whole passage of one, its end is death. Its end is death. Its end is death. Now, look at verse 32. Look at verse 32. Who knowing the righteous judgment of God. That those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but there's also a group that approve of those who practice them. Parents, right? Be careful. All of us, be careful in all the things that we do. So, so verses... 18 and 19, we skip to 32. There's a people that know the righteous judgment of God. They practice these things that are deserving of death. And not only are these people that know truth yet practice the things that lead to death, but there's also a people that what? That, oh, it's okay. Just go ahead and be very careful the counsel and the life and how you give people advice. Don't just be okay with all kinds of sin. You could tell someone, I still choose to love you, though what you're doing, I totally disagree with it. You could still say that to someone. I totally disagree with this situation, but don't get that wrong with I don't love you. I do love you. Actually, that shows that you love them so much more rather than saying, oh, God loves you. Just as, you know, as long as you have love in your heart, you're going to be fine. That is so wrong because the Bible says that your heart is actually desperately wicked. So as long as you don't have love because you can have love for the wrong thing. So, so, so here is this passage in Romans, man, and this is not even the message yet, but, but it's, it's speaking about a this, this people that know and these people that just yet even approve of such practices so what am I trying to say easy numbers 15 and Romans chapter 1 Old Testament New Testament let's collide them together and they're speaking of the same kind of person who is that person it is one who knows the truth and rejects it by living contrary to it do we all agree on that it's let's go to it ready numbers 15 it's one who had the law of the sabbath we're learning today this is this is good it's one who had the law of the sabbath which was to rest but they chose to reject it by taking on work number two romans one the other had the greater law not the sabbath had a greater law it was better than the sabbath is it was actually jesus the person but chose to live in his own works living contrary to his Both of them chose to do the same thing. Both of them lead to death. So it's so important that we understand this because we can't neglect this. And I started off by saying, I forgot to mention this last week. But I want to make sure that we understand that we can't neglect this. We can't reject this stuff. Hebrews 2, if you read Hebrews 2, take notes and and, and go back and study it tonight. Hebrews 2 begins with a warning. And, and the warning that Hebrews 2, the author, gives off is this. Do not, everyone say do not. Yeah. Neglect your salvation. Don't neglect Jesus. Don't neglect your rest. Hebrews 2, 3 goes into it deeply. It will be with all who reject God's provision of the Sabbath rest in Christ. It says this, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Hebrews 2, 3 says, I don't have time to go into all of Hebrews 2. But there's Hebrews 2, 3 for you. How will we ever be able to escape neglecting that rest, neglecting Jesus, neglecting that salvation? Are we all in agreement? So for all of us, there is is no need. And there shows actually lack of wisdom and no need to ignore such a great salvation. Lack of wisdom, no need to ignore such a great rest. So, so this is what I want you to write down in your notes because this is what the God was stirring in my heart. Here it is. Don't just stop at salvation. That's where it begins. Don't stop. At, your life doesn't stop at salvation. That's where it begins. Now let's find this truth. Let's find a lifestyle in the rest. I've been saved, but how many people have salvation in their heart but they haven't entered the lifestyle of rest yet so let's not stop at salvation but now let's enter a lifestyle of rest let's get into this i'm going to read it one more time hebrews chapter 4 verse 9 and 10 don't neglect that everything that i just said don't don't be picking up wood and sticks and you know what i mean don't reject it don't defy it Hebrews 4, 9 and 10, ready? There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also what? ceased from his works as God did from his. The word there for rest, write this down. The word there for rest in the Greek. The word there for rest, it it, it literally means this word. It means the word abode. Abode. It's the word in which we get the word abode from. A-B-O-D-E. So because I'm googly smart, I said abode. And abode says it's a place of residence. It's a place of, of saying it's a house. It's a place of home. Abode is "abode" means stay. Your home. And to some extent, it could also mean sojourn, which means even a temporary stay. It means stay, but just temporary. Because there's somewhere else that God might be leading us. We all know what I'm talking about. So the Greek word there means abode, rest, abode. Everyone say abode. Abode. So now that we've defined that, let's get into this. Ready? For he who has entered his rest. For he who has entered his residence. For he who has entered his house. For he who has entered his stay. What am I talking about here? This word abode, this rest here is a phrase that is metaphorically describing this. It is the heavenly blessedness. It is the heavenly blessedness in which God dwells. So when we say, when we say this, because the Greek word for rest means abode, and it says this, there remains therefore a rest for he who has entered his rest. And we talk about that it is a residence, it is a house, it means stay. What I'm talking about here, this phrase is, it, that word rest, that word abode, this home, this stay, what it is, is it's a heavenly blessedness. It's a heavenly location of which God dwells in. Amen. This is, this is about arriving at a place in which heaven and the true God of presence now begins to live in us. God now lives. Can you say that? God lives in me? Lives in me. Does he? Okay, I'm just hoping you said it. Does he? Because the Bible does teach he does. And that's mind-blowing to me. That the, so God lives in us. God dwells in us. It's arriving at a place that heaven, better than heaven, God dwells in me. So, so all that we know, all that we know, which is touch, smell, right, sight, hear, uh, taste, all that is natural. Listen to this. Begins to embrace the supernatural. I was singing here at nine thirty, and I said, "Heavenly embrace." I don't even know I said it in tune, but I was crying out, I want a heavenly embrace. I want a heavenly embrace. I went from saying, I want a heavy embrace. I want a heavy embrace. And then my heavy started to be changed to, I want a heavenly embrace. I want a heavenly embrace. And that's what I'm talking about. We've been embraced by a supernatural world. And we've been embraced by a divine being. Imagine that for a moment. Trust me, there's so much deeper that I would go, but I've been, um, I've been told probably by five people, don't go that, that, that route yet. So I'm, I'm going to go as much as I can today. I'm going to be obedient to voices. <laughs> voices. I should be obedient to one voice. That was so off my, my teaching. All right, here we go. <laughs> God rebuke me. Amen. Amen. But no, seriously, I am going to make it in a way so you can understand it. But listen to this. My wife heard me share this too, and she was like, are you sure you want to preach that yet? (laughs) I was talking to Lewis on the phone, and he could could be a testimony of her saying in the background, I don't get it. (laughs) I don't get it, but I get it. All right, here it is. Imagine this. Imagine all the depths of the universe that we don't even know, right? We don't even know it. But imagine even beyond that. Imagine heaven. Imagine even hell if you want to that which we have not even seen or you and I have not even traveled to. I mean, I know there's a boy that says he went and he wrote a book about it and then they made a movie. I get all that stuff. But I'm talking about we haven't really traveled to heaven yet. We haven't really traveled to hell. We can't jump on any kind of mechanism and get there. Imagine the depths of even those things. I mean, we were wilding out yesterday talking to the L- other L- Lewis about just what the supernatural looks like as we were going, right? We, were just open, we weren't even talking. We are just going to the scripture. And every time we read something, we were like, what does this mean? Imagine the depths of that stuff in the Bible. Why am I saying, why am I stressing this stuff? Because, because now listen to this statement. We have the very God that created all of this and that is all of this living among us. How many of you can say amen? amen. Don't stop there. That is very sad if you stop there. Because that's, that's amazing. But, but what is really wowing and what is amazing and what is incredible and what is just indescribable and so humbling and yet tremendous is not that this God of such depth of this of this world that we don't even know of lives among us listen to this but the Bible teaches us and you know it for yourself if he really does but not only is the God that we're talking about living among us but this God also lives in us. And that to me is humbling. And that to me is jaw-dropping. And that to me is how is it that I can't even understand heaven and his glory and his throne room, but yet this God yet decides to, to make a, a dwelling place, me a dwelling place, a place where he can live in and glorify himself in. For, 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 that's, a, that's just, I, I don't know, I'm going to stop there because I can't describe that. And the Bible says this, back to that phrase, for he who has entered his rest, the, what is this rest? It is the place of God dwelling in us. It is that place. It's not the, it's not the place of just finding the pre- How many of you came to church today and say, wow, the presence of God is there today? Sad. Four of you did. I was hoping the whole church was like, yes, we felt the presence of God. I did. All right. but But how many... Whatever, back to my next point, ready? It's not just the place of finding the presence of God. Wow, the the presence of God. But it's living and knowing that you are the place of the presence of God. We don't come to church to get into the presence of God. I actually believe it's the presence of God in us that takes us to church. (laughs) We don't wake up and say, I just got to get into the presence. No, no, no. it's, it's, ah. And there's something about when my presence and your presence and his presence and her presence and her presence and his presence and our presence, when the presence of God in all of us gathers, there is an inhabitation, there is a dwelling, there is a, there is a fog, there is a cloud, there is a rain, there is a shower, there is a power, there is a grace. There is something in here when we gather we say, what is it about this place? It is this. It's presence in her, presence in him, presence in them, presence over there, presence here and they came together and all of that stuff just started to erupt it's a presence, it's God that's living in me, that is why we could walk into a house and we could look at demons and say I'm here, get out and who are you, forget about who am I who is he out. I mean presence in us. God in us. God dwelling in us. God in us. His presence flows and it doesn't just flow in us but it should flow from us it flows it, his presence flows from you and it gives evidence his, his presence flows. you've hung out with someone you've had lunch with someone you've had dinner with someone you had a walk with someone you had a conversation with someone and there was a presence that came from them and it gave evidence of a God that dwells in them They don't have to just say, hey, I'm a Christian. Actually, I already knew that before you said it. How? Because I saw evidence in your life. (laughs) See, come on, I'm going to come down here for a moment because because I don't want to get to a place where I have to prove to someone that I'm a man of God. I want to get to a place that I walk in a room and everyone in the room knows there's the man of God. Why? (laughs) Not because of anything in us, in you, in me, but the one who dwells in us. God dwells in us. Rest lives in us. And that's what we're talking about. That's what I feel like we're gonna go in another fast soon. (laughs) No, 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 no. Yeah, not yet. Give me one more month. Christmas is coming, brother. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. My family will kill me. Hey. So 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 it gives evidence of his characteristics. How did you know, oh, man, your characteristics show that there's a God in you? What? Yeah. Because, you see, when his presence dwells in us, it flows from us. And now, and now it gives characteristics. It gives fruit. And consider, just to name some. Ready? What's some of the fruit? Mercy, justice, goodness, grace, love, righteousness, holiness. Just name it a few. It seeps out of you because of what's in you. Because of what's in you. How is it that you, it's him. So if Jesus is your rest, we now have free and open entrance into relationship with Abba Father. I said it last week. and I don't know if you caught it. I feel like there's a different anointing here today. But I I said it last week, didn't I? When I said in John, when Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through find rest, you find him. Find rest, and you find him. Find rest, and you'll start talking to Abba. We have entrance now to a relationship with dad because we found rest in God the son. John 14, 6. Jesus, our rest, is the open door to God living. Oh, man. Jesus, our rest, is the open door to God dwelling in us. Do I have to say that again? Just write it down. Jesus, our rest, is the open door because he says it in John 14 I'm the door, I'm the way, I'm the path. And man, I am the truth. I'm it. Jesus, our rest is the open door to God dwelling in us. So if God is in us, then there's evidence of presence from us. Ooh, write that. If God is in us, then there is presence of God from us. Someone just for the sake of it say, prove it to me. I will. Acts chapter 5, please. (laughs) Acts chapter 5. Let's go to verse 12 for a moment. And this is just one, one passage of so many that I could name. And it's in Acts 5, 12. It says, you with me? It says this. So, and through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, if you're going to. If you're going to um, Israel with us in a few months, you'll, you'll, I could could start saying in a few months. If you're going to Israel with us in a few months, we're going to know a lot of this stuff and a lot of these locations a little bit more personal and intimate because we're going to be standing there. So they began to bring all these people, right? Through the hands of the apostles, signs and wonders were done. Verse 15, just, let's just skip there for a moment. So what was it that they were bringing to the apostles? Here it is. 15, so they brought the sick out in the streets, into the streets, and they laid them on beds and on couches. I love this next part. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Just just, Pe- just Peter, don't even touch. Walk by this area. Your shadow is enough. Verse 16 tells us this. If you're there, you could turn to it. Verse 16 says this. It says that they brought the sick and those tormented by the unclean spirits. You see, this is not stuff that just happens today. This is stuff that's been happening during the times of Jesus, during the times of Peter. Unclean spirits, demonic spirits, the sick. The, They're they bringing them. Notice, they were bringing Man, they were bringing them to the ones that that showed evidence that God dwells in them. (laughs) Just thought about that. Because I could grab one of you and I could take you to someone. Hey, do what you do with them. Or God could dwell in you and you could do what he does with them. So what they did was they brought the sick and the unclean spirits and they brought them to, who do we take them to? Well, let's take them to the man of God that has the presence of God living in them. And they laid them there around Peter. Just walk by them, that your very own shadow could, could heal them. So we see things like that. We see things like that. I'm going to share another one with you, and it's Acts 19, verses 11 and 12. Listen to this one. It says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. <laughs> that even handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out. His very own. <laughs> so we have things like Paul and things like Peter and then the sons of Sceva that went up to them and they saw a demon-possessed man and they said, in the name of Jesus, we cast you out. And then the, the spirit looked at the sons of Sceva and said, "Paul and Peter and Jesus we know, but who in the world are you? And the demon from the man leaked into the sons of Sceva and they began to take off their clothes and they ran around the village naked going crazy and everyone saw them as the livestock. The because you see, who are they to operate in the supernatural when they themselves did not have the God of the supernatural dwelling in them? But Peter and Paul we know because God dwells in them. You see, you're coming over here and you're trying to operate in an authority when the one who is all authoritative doesn't even dwell in you. But we know about Peter and Paul. Let us know if he's coming by because Peter and Paul have God dwelling in them. Do you guys get what I'm saying? Not everyone that casts out demons might actually have God dwelling in them. Not everyone that professes might actually have that. What I'm trying to tell you is getting to a place like Peter and like Paul and like the apostles and like these people in the scripture and it's really not just Peter and Paul but but it's men like these it's still happening even today it's people that have entered their rest what do you mean their residence their home their house their abode they welcomed it they welcomed home that they got deeper they got deeper into that and God just dwelled and drenched and filled them and gave them just their own shadows to heal people. I'm guessing that what was really going on right then and there was was the presence of God in them, seeping out of them and touching everyone that they made contact with, even their shadows made contact with it was nothing of Peter, it really wasn't it was a shadow, yes it was, it really wasn't it was his handkerchief, Pause. it really wasn't, it was his apron it was Paul's apron, it really wasn't it was because Peter and Paul operated God dwelling in them, it was a God and it was a, a presence and then I shared this throughout the fast and I think I even shared this last week that maybe, maybe maybe this will deepen that which Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9, come on, it is written that I has not seen nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Your ears haven't heard it, your eyes haven't seen it, and your heart hasn't even sensed it. But you're going to walk around and your very own shadow is going to start casting out demons and healing the sick. You might have to take off your hoodie and throw it on someone because there's so many people that you're praying for you can't get to them. And your ear hasn't heard it, your eye hasn't seen it, and your heart it hasn't even landed in there yet. Oh man, I'm going to sh- show you things that God has prepared for you. Can you imagine if that's what that stuff really means? I don't know. I'm just hungry. I want to see that. I want to see that in my life. I want to be like God for your glory. You know, has the shadow hit you? you I'm joking, but you know what I mean. God living, God dwelling in me. Mm, Lord, what do we do, huh? Let's go deeper in that. Let's go deeper in that. Let's go deeper in that. Let's go deeper. I kind of want to say this. Let's go deep. We've been here for, some of you have been here for so long. Some of you just started coming maybe. Some of you are guests here today. But listen to this. We say this. We've said this so many times. And it's not wrong. I'm not trying to say that what we said is wrong. It's actually 100% right. But we say this. Home is where his presence is. Yeah, so good. Home is where his presence is. Many of you knew it. And we say that. But I want to go deeper than that. Home is not just like where his presence is. How about if you say this. Home is God in us. Home is God in me. That's the place of stay. That's a place of rest. God in me. I'm home. How many of you need to come home? How many of you need to come home? Just God dwell in me. Jesus, I accept you. you. You are the way. You're the door. You open up the door for for all of you, for, for God. Dwell in me. That's my home. It's like, I want your greatest church services to no longer be what happens here on Sundays. I believe God wants your greatest church services to be what happens on Monday nights in your room, Tuesday afternoons in your living room, Wednesday mornings in your kitchen. Come on. Thursday in your closet, Friday mowing. Picking up stuff in the backyard, seeking him back there. We're going to get to a place where you walk in here on Sundays, and said. Man, I had had church this week. How? We didn't even have service. Yeah, but let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what God did in me this week. I had church this week. You guys are with me? Sending me a message one time, and he was, the preacher was talking about you know like, like a, like a marriage, and if the pastor has greater influence over the wife than the husband does, then husbands, you've done something wrong. Like if your wife has to hear my words before your words, you you you've already done something wrong at home. So that that message that he sent a while back was powerful because. Because it's showing us that even at home, there, there's got to be a God in us. There's got to be a, there's something deeper happening back there. You know, some of, some, some of I'm, gonna, I'm just going to talk, just everyone else could close their ears. I, I just want to talk, I don't know why God's telling me this, but I want to talk to just the married people for a moment. Some of your husbands, some of the husbands here, the lack that's in the marriage is probably because of the lack of God in you so the reason why your wife is saying that you're not leading her correctly is because God is not leading you correctly and maybe maybe if you just let God dwell in you and just transform your life then your wife will start saying man I love how my husband now leads our family and leads me in the spiritual things It's hard to say that. Because I know I'm not a perfect husband. (laughs) But to everyone else, this is not just about marriage, to be honest with you. It's actually nothing to do with marriage. It's even deeper than husband and wife. So don't worry about it. Don't get lost in that one statement. Because maybe all you need in your life is I got to get to a place where just God And it seeps out of me. So he who has entered his rest is actually he who has entered home. And it's also saying it's he who has entered a lifestyle of God dwelling in me. God's doing something weird. Like, I hope it's a I want it to be a forever thing. I told a buddy of mine that was at my house the other day, I said, if you see me go off this path, you need to shake me and tell me where are you going? I'm re- recognizing that I'm not seeing the same things I'm seeing anymore. And it's not because I'm forcing myself. It's because I no longer feel like turning it on anymore. I'm not, I'm not like talking about like just lustful things. I'm talking about just like just things I used to watch and numb myself with on TV. Let's say I'm noticing that the spirit is just telling me to t- turn it off. I'm not saying that's for everyone. I'm not trying to act holy. I'm, I'm just saying this like lately. This is what's happening in me. So don't be like, oh, I have to go home and not turn on the TV. Go home and turn on your TV. That's what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, God is is trying to say there's more, like, don't just gratify your flesh, you know. And I hope it's a forever thing. That's why I keep saying I don't want this to be a season. I want it to be a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of God living in us, dwelling in us. Not just, oh, it's this presence in me, but it's God in me who gives presence. Don't fall in love just with presence. Fall in love with God <laughs> who gives presence. It's like holiness, right? Don't fall in love with holiness because then you become a monk. Or you go on a vow and you don't speak. And you isolate yourself on a mountain in the Himalayas and you become holy over there. That's not what I mean. Don't be so in love With that stuff and not in love with him. With God. And then in that, holiness comes. Presence comes. That at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. So that even the handkerchiefs and the aprons from our bodies upon the sick and disease, left them. And the evil spirits went out. I want to live a lifestyle of God dwelling in me. And um, it's a battle because I'm flesh and you're flesh. And we battle spirit and flesh battle each day, don't they? You wake up, you want to do what's right, but the, but the flesh wants to do what's wrong. And we live in a, in a time where the, where the flesh has no longer... No longer has power over the spirit, but that the spirit now has power over the flesh. That's what I'm praying for, amen. In my my life, rest, home, God in me. That's it, that's my rest, that's my home. You could stand with me if you want and hmm i ah, leave it just like this. It's good. Just like that. That's good. That's good. Yeah, 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 Hallelujah. What do you guys want to do? Let's talk like a family, right? Like, what, do do? what do you guys want to do? Pray, go home. No, 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 no. Leave it the way it was, leave it the way it was let's see face amen yeah, yeah, yeah. let's see let's see what do we do what do we do Um. let's pray anyone want to share something maybe as family no someone from the family want to share something All right, you don't have to it's okay you want to come up here Introduce
0: yourself, amen. Uh, my name's John Butler. I came with the Pereira today. Um, years ago, I was baptized in my family. My wife was baptized, and we raised our children in the Lord. And for several years, I had God at the center of my life. Slowly but surely, Satan whispered in my ear. And as he did, I, I just lost my way. The first family that my wife and I tried to bring to the Lord was her sister and her brother. I've been fighting for the last week. I've been fasting for six days. And we ended up having a a family fallout because we let petty things get in the way of God's love. And about Two weeks ago, Jose sent a message to my wife. And we've been out of the church for a long time. It's been several years now. We've always tried to live with God's love on our heart, but sin was just blackening the water inside of me as a vessel. So I've been trying to find my way back and God has been doing things this week that I, I don't understand. I've seen things that have scared me to death. But I'm thankful because God is at work. It's not me, it's not Jose, it's not her sister. We're just the vessel. You have to get out of the way. And I'm learning that this morning. I went to the beach. I got on my hands and knees and I prayed. And I watched the sunrise. And I'm still battling. I'm, I'm not out of it. I need all of your prayers. My wife and I were supposed to come this morning. And something happened and my wife got very, very angry. And she's not here and I didn't want to come. But I made the decision to come and I'm thankful that I did. And I ask. I just ask that you would please pray that the spirit would come upon both myself and my wife, Jose and his wife as they're finding their way because we reached out to them first. And at that time, they weren't ready. And now Jose has had a calling. And when he sent the message a week ago or two weeks ago, we didn't answer it right away because I had bitter feelings toward Jose in my heart because some things had happened and I wasn't ready to forgive. So about a week ago, right around the time that I started fasting, we had some very, very scary things happen in our home. And Satan is all around us on all fronts. And I'm just trying to find a way to get out of the way, to stop trying to control it. So I ask that you would just please pray for myself and my family and pray for Jose and his family. Because the truth is, is that when we gather in numbers like this, there is no stopping God. (laughs) Amen. so the first thing I wanted to do was I just needed to pray and it was just on my heart that I needed to pray so I I went to the beach and as I was driving to the beach there was a man with a a black German shepherd that was standing on the side of the road and as I pulled up to the beach I passed him and he just stood there looking at me It it was 4.40 in the morning and I was so scared but God had put this message on my heart that I needed to go to the beach, I needed to take a journal, and I needed to write down everything that I've done throughout my life so that I could remember all the sin, so that I could confess it to my brothers and sisters and ask them to heal heal me and pray for me and my wife and our family. We went to the beach I got on my hands and knees. I've always had a hard time raising my hands to God because I feel like an idiot. it's just the pride in me. And this morning, I took out my phone, and Hosea had sent me a message, and I didn't see it yesterday. And in that message, there was a song. And I began to play this. I pulled my phone out, and I began to play the song, and I held my hands in the air. And I just asked God... To please direct my family to help me to discern what is good and what is not because that's the hardest thing that we're having to do right now I just don't know what's good and what's not but I my legs started to get heavy when I was in the sand like they were tingling and I they were like a thousand pounds I couldn't move, I couldn't get up from kneeling in the sand and I was just praying. And the song that I was listening to was talking about his faithfulness. That his faithfulness never leaves us, that he has never forsaken us. And at that moment I felt something I've never felt before in my life just come over me. And it became very clear that I needed to read from the book of James chapter four. Read the scripture and you'll understand, but it was an amazing, amazing experience. I know that God is moving in my life again, and it's so crazy that the man that I couldn't help at that time, who I then got bitter towards, is the one who then reached out to me and now has me here today. (laughs)
1: Christian, come up here, Christian. I want you guys to see Christian because this is a cool story. I don't just love Christian anymore. I love Jose and his sisters. I love his mom and I love his dad now. But I but I first loved Christian because he was one of my students. Uh, he's a junior now, right? So in ninth grade, I worked for... Uh, you heard me share the story of well, of this young man, and you're seeing miracles happening that's reaching not just his family, but it's reaching more family now and more people. I mean, we're going to pray for him and for his wife Debbie now, and we're going to have church right now and just pray for that. And we're going to believe just like we've believed before, and it's going to happen where every demon at your house, when we walk in there, is going to tremble and leave. And your whole household will be saved. Your whole household will be saved. Amen? You believe that? But I told this family this. I said, I said, you know, it was so weird. My, my Florida Christian experience. I, I left a job that I worked for eight years and I went over there to teach for one year. And then God, in the middle of that year, says, You're done here. Resign and tell them you're done. And I said, They're going to kill me. And um, one year in, I just left and I never went back to teaching and I dedicated my whole time just to, to be here and, 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 and pastor. And, and I told the family that, right? I said, I said if, our, if our main reason of being there for a Christian, and I say ours because you're, you're there, <laughs> was being a the Christian for one year was to meet this family and to see the work of God, what it's going to do, then that's exactly why God wanted me to be there for one year only. So I know that God's not done. And I'm not even praying like, oh, God, please do a miracle in my brother's life and his wife's life. I'm like, God, thank you for what you're going to do already. Because it's so obvious that he already started. And um, we're just grateful. We're just grateful. And I told you that day in front of my house, I said, we're going to go back home and your whole family is going to be saved. And so beautiful oh man praise God praise God stretch out your hands let's, let's pray let's pray Lord hallelujah Lord I thank you for this family I thank you for the boldness of coming up here and confessing coming up here and releasing even sin releasing hurt Lord I love that because it's, it's a surrender it's there's nothing else in me there's nothing else in me that could give it's, I've come to a place where it's only you God and Lord I pray right now for this family as well I pray for Jose right now and I pray for his wife Debbie right now though she's not here we know that you, that you, as we pray, Lord God, you're there. John, and Lord, I, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for Debbie right now, Lord. I pray your hand over her life. I pray, Lord God, for your spirit just to rest over her. Lord, we're talking about God dwelling and rest. And I'm praying that, man, when John goes back home, that that even her eyes look different Lord and and that Lord everything about her looks different and she said I don't know what happened but there's like a rest here now, there is something that is going on here in this house, this stuff is scaring me and that John would have a boldness to stand and hug her and cry to her and give her a kiss and love her and say forgive me And, and here I am, the Lord has washed me today the Lord has cleansed me today and he cleanses you today and he saves you today and this is what it looks like and feels like and tastes like and smells like where God when he comes to dwell in us and rest in us where eye has not seen or ear has heard or fallen upon the heart of man the things which God has planned for us and here it is here it is upon our lives upon our house and I I pray that and I give you thanks for that in advance Lord for what you're going to do and I believe it Lord and I declare it right now that every demon must go every form of darkness must cease and tremble and run out right now that you would send angels angels right now to enter into that house and that they will stand around that house house and that they would wave a banner of Christ over that place and that the blood of Jesus, the grace of God the oil from heaven would drip over every section of that house dripping from the roof to the foundation every corner of that house the bedroom Lord God the the bathrooms, the living room, the kitchen Lord God, everything Lord God the driveway, the front door, the backyard, the side yard I pray Lord God Lord, that oil would be dripped all over it Lord God that they would experience a revival within them a revival among them Lord God that they can but one thing surrender their lives to full obedience and walking in your ways and we declare today Lord not maybe but thank you for another family saved thank you for another soul saved thank you Lord God for more demons out thank you for more revival in this household we believe it Lord God and we declare it right now I pray blessings over my brother I pray wisdom and discernment insight I pray your word to become alive in him like never before I pray your spirit to become alive in him like never before and that this is the beginning of of what restoration looks like this is what it looks like of to say we're going to do it all over again and we're going to do it better this time thank you for your forgiveness And thank you that in that forgiveness there is righteousness that is poured out. And make my brother John righteous today. He doesn't have to go through seven classes, but right now he needs to enter into one presence. And in that place he would find righteousness for him. Transform him, cover him, clothe him, and hug him today. That from this day forward there is a transformation and there is a power of God over his life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen amen Holiday, oh. God. Oh. yeah this is man kidding me this is, this is it thank you Lord thank you Lord thank you for this morning thank you Lord God for worship thank you Lord God for, for just a word thank you for this family thank you for this family right there for our church family thank you Lord God we're, we're seeing you do something here it's, it's and we're loving it and we don't want it to stop we want it to go deeper we want waters not to run wide but to run deep like we shared during our fast Lord We love you, Lord, and let us have an awesome Sunday. Let us rejoice with family that we haven't rejoiced with in a long time. Fill us with joy. Take off weight. Let us feel light. Your yoke is easy. It's light. Your burden is light. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We give you this day for your glory. And when we come back, for the next half of this message on Wednesday at 7.30, Lord, as we gather that there will be something again that will just erupt in this place. We love you, Lord, and we thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Together we say...